Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 32 of The Covered Wagon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Covered Wagon by Emerson Huff. Chapter 32. The Fight at the Ford. Jackson, wounded and weary as he was, drove his crippled horse so hard all the night through that by dawn he had covered almost fifty miles, and was in sight of the long line of wagons crawling like a serpent down the slopes west of the South Pass. A cloud of bitter alkali dust hanging like a blanket over them. No part of the way had been more cheerless than this gray, bare expanse of more than a hundred miles, and none offered less invitation for a bivouac, but now both man and horse were well-nigh spent. Knowing that he would be reached within an hour or so at best, Jackson used the last energies of his horse in riding back and forth at right angles across the trail. The plain sign of come to me, he hoped it would be seen. He flung himself down across the road, in the dust, his bridle tied to his wrist. His horse, now nearly gone, lay down beside him, nor ever rose again. And here, in the time a gallop could bring them up, Banyan and three of his men found them, one dead, the other little better. Bill! Bill! The voice of Banyan was anxious as he lightly shook the shoulder of the prone man, half afraid that he, too, had died. Stupid in sleep, the scout sprang up, rifle in hand. Who's there? Hold, Bill, friends, easy now. The old man pulled together, rubbed his eyes. I must have went to sleep again, said he. My horse for sure now, poor critter, do he look now? In rapid words, he now told his errand. They could see the train accelerating its speed. Jackson felt in the bag at his belt and handed Banyan the folded paper. He opened the folds steadily, read the words again and again. "'Come to us,' is what it says,' he spoke to Jackson. "'Ye damn liar, Will,' remarked Jackson. "'I'll read it at all,' said Banyan suddenly. "'Will Banyan, come to me, or it may be too late. "'There never was any wedding. "'I am the most wicked and most unhappy woman in the world. "'You owe me nothing, but come, M.W. "'That's what it says, now you know.' Tell me, you heard of no wedding back at Independence Rock. They said nothing, he and she. If there ever was any wedding, hit was a damn poor sort, and she says there wasn't none. She ought to know. Can you ride, Jackson? Span in six fast mules for a supply wagon, such as Ken Gallop. I'll sleep in that a hour or so. Get your men started, Will. We may be too late. It's nigh fifty mile to the ford or the green. It came near to mutiny when Banyan ordered a third of his men to stay back with the ox teams and the families. Fifty were mounted and ready in five minutes. They were followed by two fast wagons. In one of these rolled Bill Jackson, unconscious of the roughness of the way. On the sandy, twenty miles from the ford, they wakened him. "'Now tell me how it lies,' said Banyan. "'How's the country?' Jackson drew a sketch on the sand. 
They'll surround, and they'll cut off the water. Can we ford above and come in behind them? We mount. Send half straight to the ford, and half come in behind, through the willers, huh? That'll put em atween three fires. If we drive em on the wagons, they get hell there, and if they broke, the wagons could chase em into us again. I allow we'd give em hell. Hits the crows I'm most a scared of. The bannocks, if that's who they was, it'll run easy. At sunset of that day, the emigrants, now half mad of thirst and half ready to despair of succor or success, heard the Indian drum sound and the shrilling of the eagle-bone whistles. The crows were chanting again. Whoops arose along the river bank. "'My God, they're coming!' called out a voice. There was a stir of uneasiness along the line, an ominous thing. And then the savage hosts broke from their cover, more than a thousand men, ready to take some loss in their hope that the whites were now more helpless. In other circumstances, it must have been a stirring spectacle for any who had seen it. To these, cowering in the sand, it brought terror. But before the three ranks of the crows had cleared the cover, the last line began to yell, to whip, to break away. Scattering but continuous rifle fire followed them. War cries arose, not from savages, but white men. A line of riders emerged, coming straight through to the second rank of the crow advance. Then the beleaguered knew that the Missourians were up. Banyan, my God, said a voice which few stopped to recognize as Woodhull's. He held his fire, his rifle resting so long through the wagon wheel that Caleb Price, in one swift motion, caught it away from him. No harm, friend, said he, but you'll not need this just now. His cold eye looked straight into that of the intending murderer. The men in the wagon park rose to their work again. The hidden bannocks began to break away from their lodgment under the river bank. The sound of hoofs and of shouts came down the trail. The other wing of the Missourians flung off and cleared the ford before they undertook to cross, their slow, irregular, dead rifle fire doing its work among the hidden bannocks, until they broke and ran for their horses in the cottonwoods below. This brought them partly into view, and the rifles of the immigrants on that side bore on them till they broke in sheer terror and fled in a scattered suave quapuette. The crows swerved under the enfilading fire of the men who now crossed the ford. Caught between three fires and meeting for their first time the use of the revolver, then new to them, they lost heart and once more left their dead. Breaking away into a mad flight west and north, which did not end till they had forded the upper tributaries of the Green and Snake, and found their way back west of the Tetons to their own country far east and north of the two goatee crossing of the Wind River Mountains, whence for many a year they did not emerge again to battle with the white nation on the Medicine Road. At one time there were forty crow squaws, young and old, with gashed breasts and self-amputated fingers, given in mourning over the unreturning brave. What many men had not been able to do of their own resources, less than a fourth their number now had done. Side by side, Banyan, Jackson, a half-dozen others, rode up to the wagon gap, now opened. They were met by a surge of the rescued. Women, girls threw themselves upon them, kissing them, embracing them hysterically. Where had been gloom, now was rejoicing, laughter, tears. The leaders of the emigrants came up to Banyan and his men, Wingate in advance. 
Banyan still sat his great black horse, coldly regarding them. "'I have kept my promise, Captain Wingate,' said he. "'I have not come until you sent for me. "'Let me ask once more, do I owe you anything now?' "'No, sir, you do not,' replied the older man. "'And do you owe me anything?' Wingate did not answer. "'Name what you like, Major Banyan,' said a voice at his shoulder, Caleb Price. Banyan turned to him slowly. "'Some things have no price, sir,' said he. "'For other things I shall ask a high price in time. "'Captain Wingate, your daughter asked me to come. "'If I may see her a moment and carry back to my men the hope of her recovery, "'we shall all feel well repaid.' "'Wingate made way with the others.' Banyan rode straight through the gap, with no more than one unseeing glance at Woodhull, near whom sat Jackson, a pistol resting on his thigh. He came to the place under a wagon where they had made a hospital cot for Molly Wingate. It was her own father and mother who lifted her out as Will Banyan sprang down, hat in hand, pale in his own terror at seeing her so pale. "'No, don't go,' said the girl to her parents. "'Be here with us and God.' She held out her arms, and he bent above her, kissing her forehead gently and shyly as a boy. "'Please get well, Molly Wingate,' said he. "'You are Molly Wingate?' "'Yes. At the end, I couldn't. I ran away, all in my wedding clothes, Will. In the dark, someone shot me. I've been sick, awfully sick, Will.' "'Please get well, Molly Wingate. I'm going away again. This time, I don't know where. Can't you forget me, Molly Wingate?' "'I'm going to try, Will. I did try. Go on ahead, Will,' she added. "'You know what I mean. Do what I told you. I—why, Will?' "'My poor lamb,' said the strong voice of her mother, who gathered her in her arms, looking over her shoulder at this man to whom her child had made no vows. But Banyan, wet-eyed, was gone once more. Jackson saw his leader out of the wagon gap, headed for a camping spot far apart. He stumbled up to the cot where Molly lay, her silent parents still close by. "'Here, Miss Molly, gal,' said he, holding out some object in his hand. "'We both got our aura through the shoulder, and mine's almost well already. Ain't nothing in the world like a good chaw o' tobaccos to put on our cut. Do we now?' End of chapter 32「ラッキーランドカシノ」asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky? in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do I have to say? yes you do in the car before my kids PTA meeting really? yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky? no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details